Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1992 to look at Walter Hill's treasure hunting gangster standoff movie Trespass. So let's fire up the Jeep, let's go to East St. Louis, let's go to that abandoned warehouse. Let's listen to a trailer and I'll see you guys soon. So let's have a look at the synopsis for this film. So it says that there are two firemen who discover a dying man's secret. A fortune in gold could still be lied buried in an old abandoned warehouse after its theft. But greed drives them to pursue it and they become entangled with a local crime ring. It's got a 141 minute runtime. it's an R-rated movie and it's classed as a action thriller. So that synopsis right there is pretty much trespass really. Um, it is an isolation movie, it's a lot about greed, it's gangsters, it's a little bit claustrophobic, um, there's some really good action in it, but let's go right back, let's take it right back to say how I found this movie. So it's back in the early 90s, um, I was in my teenage years, and, or should I say probably the later 90s, probably around about 97, I'll give this a timestamp actually. So, didn't have any internet. Just all I had was a TV guide, so I read a little snippet in the TV guide saying about 11 o'clock on a Friday night, I think it was, that there was a film called Trespass and it just gave you that little synopsis of a treasure hunt and some gangsters and a couple of firemen and I was sold straight away. And after watching this film on my old mahogany clad TV, if anybody remembers that, the old box TV with the old push buttons. Late at night with a couple of beers and some crisps and all that, I was actually very pleasantly entertained with this film. It just did everything for me, really. It's I don't know whether it's just that sort of nostalgia thing that I, I do when I'm doing my podcasts because I'm going back. 
And here I am now, all these years, doing a podcast. And back then, I wouldn't even know what a podcast is. So, <laughs> there you go. I'm going off on a tangent here, but let's, let's just say, it, Trespass is one of those films, it's easy to say, it's just going to be another action movie. So, if I did go into the VHS store and rent this film, and look at the front cover, I'll probably I'll look at Ice-T and Ice Cube and think... This looks like a straight-to-DVD or VHS movie or whatever. And then on closer inspection, when you look at this film, you realise it's directed by Walter Hill, the cult director. He's got a catalogue of amazing films such as The Warriors, Southern Comfort, Streets of Fire, 48 Hours and The Long Riders. And I consider this is one of his great additions to that as well. It's um, When you look at his films, it's all about um, gangs, Internal game problems, isolations, claustrophobia and stuff like that which you get in Southern Comfort and it's kind of like the going out and trying to get the gold which is what you see in the Long Riders and all the action which you see throughout these films with like the Warriors and Streets of Fire. So it's basically got that Walter Hill signature to it which is quite evident in this film. So you've got that and then you keep looking at this and then you see Robert Zemeckis from Back to the Future and Bob Gow. Now these guys, like I just said, they both wrote Back to the Future, so they wrote this film as well and the screenplay and everything, and it was actually written back in the early 70s, so it's just left on the shelf. And they produced it to Walter Hill and he took a look at it and he loved it straight away and he said, let's, let's do it, let's make it, you know. And um, so, so far looking at that, you've got a really good building block of the film and then you've got a $14 million budget with uh, Universal backing the movie. And then you have a look at the cast, and I think this film's got a really good solid cast to it. You've got um, Bill Paxton, the late Bill Paxton, sorry to say, um, who plays a character called Vince, and we all know him from films like Aliens and Terminator. And for me, he's one of those actors which is always a pleasure to watch with any sort of screen time that he has. And then you've got uh, William Sadler, and I think he puts on a cracking performance in this, and he plays Don. And around about this time, he was in Die Hard 2, playing the antagonist, uh, Colonel Stewart. And then you've got um, Ice-T, and again, he does a cracking job in this film. And for me, as I said earlier, when I was watching it late at night, I was familiar with Ice-T, but I, I was, didn't really listen to any sort of the American rap gangster music. So this is the first time I actually watched Ice-T as, as an actor. And I think he does a great job. So, like I say, he was part of the um, American sort of gangster rap, hip-hop, and he's a songwriter. But um, acting was not something new for him at the time, because he was in uh, New Jack City before this, which was a pretty solid film at the time. And then he later went on to go and do a film called Tank Girl. And then you also got Ice Cube, who plays Savon, and... And he puts on a solid performance in this film, and he's a, he's another rapper. Um, started off in 1986 in the hip-hop group N.W.A. He went on to go and have a successful solo career with some uh, hits in the U.S. Uh, topping the charts. And he was also familiar to acting before this. He was in a film called Boys in the Hood back in 1991. And then he went on to go and do Triple X, The Three Kings with George Clooney. And he actually turned up in a John Carpenter film where he plays Desolation Williams. So um, he's, he's done very well. He's done very well for himself. And a couple of other actors I'll mention in this film. You've got Art Evans, and you will know him as the um, 
Or you may know him as the controller from Die Hard 2, so it's another Die Hard 2 reference. And he plays a character called Bradley. And he also plays the police officer in Fright Night as a sort of little bit of a cameo role. For any of you Fright Night fans out there, I'm sure there are. And you've got Devoru White, who plays Lucky. And it's another guy from Die Hard. So they've got some uh, Die Hard royalty in this movie. And Devoru White, he plays Argel in the first Die Hard movie. So there you go, guys. There's some of the cast of this film. So it's kind of what I was saying earlier, guys. It was on closer inspection to this film, what I've just mentioned there with the cast, the Universal Studios, Walter Hill, Robert Zemeckis. It's a solid building block. And... The more times I watch this film, the more times I notice a little bit more detail as well because there's bits in it where it, it's close to a found footage movie as well because they're using real um, the old video cameras and the gangsters are filming themselves, which I think is very clever and I hadn't actually seen that in any other movie at the time. And at times you get uh, like a POV shot as if you're looking through the um, camera and you get like that sort of grainy sort of... Um, blue screen shot and the other thing as well is that it was filmed in an actual abandoned warehouse um, somewhere in Atlanta I think it was like an old old mill or something so it it because it's filmed on a real location it adds to that grit as well and it's a little bit like um, when I spoke about Escape from New York in my last episode where Carpenter managed to get somewhere funny enough in in St. Louis is where this film's based and um, so again on Every time I watch this film, I, I appreciate these sort of locations and all the grit and it's got that real sort of um, conviction to it, I suppose, when it comes to the actual set locations, which is cool. And the other thing, they was going to base it as a, to bring in that sort of sense of isolation. They was actually going to um, create it in, in a snow environment, so it's going to be supposed to be like pouring down with thick snow and stuff like that. So that would have been quite good. Um, but... As it is, it works pretty fine as it is. And the other thing to mention, um, you've got cell phones in this film as well. So you've got the introduction to that. Um, so there's, you've got this sort of like 90s nostalgia with the, like I say, the VHS recorder, the cell phones, all these things that are being introduced. So um, that's pretty cool. And that catches them out um, at, at some points in the movies, the cell phones. It doesn't always work for them, which I'll mention later on in the review. So let's have a look at the origins of the story here. So Walter Hill was very much um, sold when he looked at the script and he liked the idea of guys looking for gold and greed and all that sort of stuff. And the original title for this was called The Lutus. And it's based on, or loosely based on, John Huston's uh, The Treasure of the Sierra Madara. I think that's how you pronounce it. Back in 1948 and that is a Humphrey Bogart movie. So it's got um, elements of that to the film. And the other titles they had for this movie, talking about um, the main title, which was going to be called Looters, they had um, Point of No Return, Fire Trap, Intruders, Burning Gold, and Blood and Gold. But they came up with the name uh, Trespass, which I think works pretty good for the film. And that is pretty much a roundup of the building block of this movie. So it's, it's not a bad building block at all. So like I say, on close inspection, you realize how much um, what, what's actually gone into this film. So let's go and do a bite-sized review of Trespass. So, so the film starts with two Arkansas firemen, Vince and Don, played by Bill Paxton and William Sadler, and they meet a hysterical old man in the burning building and he repents his final sins saying he's done something bad in his life 
he's stolen a load of gold from the church and he hands him over a map before finally throwing himself into the fire and golfing himself in flames. There's nothing Vince and Dom can do. And then it cuts on to another scene where you see Don does a little bit of research and finds out the man who stole a large amount of gold from a church and it's a load of Greek gold. And at this time you've got uh, Vince who's trying to be the good guy and he says, you know, I really wish we should report this, but then Don goes, hell no, our ship has come in, we are going for that gold. And there's no way anybody else is going to get a hold of it because he owes a load of money to his ex-wife and stuff like that. So. So straight away with this scene here, you've got the Bill Paxton character who's kind of like the good guy throughout this and he's trying to reason every situation he comes across and tries to think about the good thing to do. But then you've got Don who's, who is a good guy because he's a fireman, he wants to rescue people, but he's got this other side to him where he go, no, that gold's ours and it's the influence of gold and how it can change people and stuff like that. So it's, a, it's another thing in this film which is... Um, Kind of like the moral of the story, I suppose you could say. So then they um, load up the Jeep with a metal detector. Don't know anything about a metal detector, funny enough. <laughs> and uh, they got all a load of digging equipment and treasure hunting stuff. And they head on over to East St. Louis. And Don just packs himself a 1911, Colt 1911 gun just for close encounters, I suppose you could say. So they arrive at the abandoned warehouse and you get a scene here where they're looking for the gold with the map and they've got all their digging equipment and it's a little bit like a sort of haunted house in a way. They open up the doors, the old creaky doors with cobwebs and they find an old dead homeless man and again um, you've got the Bill Baxton character Vince who says you know we really should report this Don. He says hell no and then Don goes no no all the police will be down here and he's just he's, he's heads right on for the finding the treasure. So they spend a while, they spend a few hours trying to find the gold and Vince walks off and this is where he comes across a gang and this is where you're introduced to Ice-T and Ice-Cube and they are very slick and they are not just one dimensional characters here. Um, as I explained earlier, these guys really do bring something to the table. Um, each um, gang member has his own personality as his own way of being dressed as his own opinions of things and where Ice-T comes out and says you know I'm not a gangster I'm a businessman and he's got his mobile phone they've got their guns and they're very well dressed as well you know they've got um, some really nice suits and outfits so they're not your petty robber on the street who's just going to go and randomly rob someone they, they just deal with internal affairs so on this occasion they are dealing with a, an enemy from another gang that they got an issue with and Ice-T Ice kills this guy he goes falling through the roof and this is where Vince witnesses it and this is where you get the start of the standoff between the gang and Vince and Dom because what happens here is they approach Vince they say hey, what are you doing here and Vince is like oh, I'm just looking around and then you get Don comes out of his Colt 1911 and he goes get back it's a pretty cool scene, he sort of threatens him and then Ice-T falls back and then Don takes uh, Lucky as hostage and then they retreat into this room where they thought the gold is and this room that they are in is heavily fortified, it's like a cell and so now you've got a standoff between them and it works really well it's, it kind of echoes Assault on Precinct 13 in a way so uh, Vince and Don are holding themselves up and they're still looking for the gold even though all this is going on and Ice-T is loading himself up with weapons and artillery 
he's using his mobile phone, everything's slick, everybody's getting into position. And then add into Vince and Don's troubles, they come across a homeless man, um, Bradley, uh, played by Art Evans, and they tie him up on a chair throughout this duration. So you've got a homeless man, you've got Lucky, and you've got all this standoff, so everything's going on here. And everything in this movie at this time is moving at a pace, and you get a cool scene where Ice-T and all his gang, they, they're walking towards the door with all their guns and they're shooting at it. And then Don comes up with this idea to tie Lucky up onto the door and he says that if you start shooting at us again you're going to kill him. So they tie him up and Don says to Vince that Lucky is our only hope of getting out of here. And then whilst all this is happening one of the gang members is filming it all on a VHS recorder. Like I said earlier it's like the you get some POV shots um, with that blue pixelated screen and as I said earlier these guys aren't one dimensional they're not um, your local thugs, they've all got their own opinions. And the King James character, you know, YC's character, generally has some, you know, empathy for his um, brother where he wants to get him out and he's generally concerned about him to the point where he, um, there's a, there's another good scene here with, um, when I talked about mobile phones, King James tries to creep up on the room and then his mobile phone goes off and then that kind of gives him away. And you get like another shootout scene and one of the gang members gets shot by Don with his 1911. So then King James is thinking, right, I'm going to need some more firepower here. So he calls his friend Raymond, who's got all this heavy artillery gear. And he turns up in his car and he's like a sort of pimp or something like that, but like Huggy Bear. And he's like the real sort of cool character and he goes, hey King James, what do you want? And he's just like, lifts up the bonnet of the car and you've got all these M16 assault rifles you got um, explosives, the lot. So it's turning into like a like a military exercise from from their point of view, and they all load themselves up, and all the gang members situation situate themselves in different areas. So they're plotting up on rooftops. One of them's got a sniper rifle. So this whole thing has kind of become a rescue operation for them because what's interesting is some of them have said, you know, I'll make some of them are ex-army as well, you know, highly trained guys with these um, specialised skills. And everybody in this standoff also has issues with each other as well. So you've got some scenes here where the guys who are plotted up around the buildings with the weapons, they're all like slagging off everybody else and they've all got their own opinions on how to deal with this. And even Don and Vince are having problems with each other as well with the gold and Vince is saying to Don that is it really worth it so should we cut them in half with the gold and all that so you've got this whole circle of different situations going off in this one standoff and that's one of the highlights of this film. And then you've got Raymond who does a little bit of investigating himself and he finds Vince and Don's Jeep and within that Jeep he finds a treasure map so he works out that there is gold involved and he gets the Ice Cube character Savon, he tells him about it and he says between the two of them, he says look there's gold involved in this, let's not worry about Lucky, we're not really bothered about him, let's just go and get the gold. So again you could say that the gold is another menacing character in this film which persuades people so the guys on that side of the fence are betraying each other as well as soon as a mention of gold comes becomes involved. So Raymond and Savon set it up to look, make it look like Vincent Donner escaping by shooting at the building and this results in the sniper accidentally shooting Lucky so now he's dead. And King James knows this and in his anger he ends up approaching the building and he starts shooting with everything that he's got. 
And whilst all this is happening, Vince and Don eventually find the gold stashed up in the ceiling and they helped out with Bradley and they sort of set up an alliance. And Bradley tells them for a cut of the gold that there is an escape route behind a chimney. So Vince goes down the chimney with um, some climbing equipment and then the gold gets handed around several times. Once with uh, Savon, who manages to get his hands on it, and the other with uh, Bradley, and then you get like a final shootout here. You get people crashing through windows, you've got explosives going on, and then you finally get uh, Don and King James who meet up in a burning room, and they're talking to each other, and King James goes, what is this all about? What What is it? And this is where you get Don, he comes out, and he's, as the build, building's burning around him, he goes, it's all about the gold, like that, and they're both pointing guns at each other and they have one final shootout and they both go out in a sort of like a blaze of glory and both fall down on the floor dead, whilst the uh, building is burning around them. And then Savon and Raymond also kill each other, thinking they've been double-crossed. And then you've got Vince who encounters um, the homeless guy Bradley, and uh, Bradley says, you know, you better run, you know, get out of here. The place is burning down, so Vince thinks, you know, at this point, I'm just going to get out of here, forget about the gold, so he runs off. And then you get the final scene here where Bradley picks up the gold and then he's walking off with the building burning around him. And ultimately, he's the guy who gets away with the gold in the end, so it turns out really well for him. And that is how the film ends. It ends with Bradley walking away with the gold, laughing to himself. And for most of all the other characters in this film, um, Greed kind of got the better of them, so that's kind of like the moral of the story. So there you go, guys. That's the uh, the bite-sized review of Trespass. If you haven't seen it, uh, go check it out. I, I strongly recommend it as sort of like a late-night watch. And if you have seen it, yeah, you know, post some comics on the Facebook page. Let us know if you enjoyed this movie. But um, like I say, as a roundup, um, as I mentioned earlier with the building block, it's kind of. As I said throughout the film, it kind of echoes Assault on Precinct 13. It's a good siege movie. It's got isolation in it, all those sort of types of elements. And there's a really good bit of um, 90s nostalgia now with this film, like after revisiting it. With, and um, as I said earlier, all, not all the characters in this film are one-dimensional either. So, and you could say that. You know, the good guys aren't all that good and the bad guys aren't all that bad. You've got a little bit of sympathy there for him, like, say, with King James and his brother. He's just that turns into a little bit of a rescue movie and Don is all for himself. So it's just a clever mix of the characterisation in this film. So it's not just your sort of normal, sort of, I would say, in a way, for example, no-brainer action film. There's a few good elements in it. There's a few morals that you can take away from it. So... All in all, it's a good late-night action movie, so go check it out. So that's it, guys, coming to the close of the show. Hope you enjoyed that um, review. And as a little bit of admin, I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so go check out all the other shows. Um, there's some really good ones on there, and I'll play a promo at the end of this show. And you can find Bite Size Cinema on... I'm on Stitcher, I'm on YouTube, I'm on iTunes and obviously the Legion Network so you can find the show on there and also I've got a Facebook group so go check that out and we have a lot of fun on there so it's all good stuff so um, I will be back soon with, I'm going to be doing, um, going to be looking at doing Battlestar Galactica 
Um, but before I do that, I want to do a film which I think will tie up well with this episode, which is Enemy Territory from 1987. And it's a film that is really underrated. It's got Tony Todd in it and Ray Parker Jr. from Ghostbusters. So I need to talk about that film. So that one will be coming soon um, with um, Battlestar Galactica not so far off. So look out for those. So there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you soon. Keep it bite-sized. Keep it safe. And I'll see you guys later. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell mean power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark mental health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by the cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shade Cast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.